This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. What am I? What, I just said here in Middletown, Connecticut. Been doing it for so long. I'm not in Middletown, Connecticut anymore. I am in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake up call. Boy, I tell you what, that's uh, I guess that's muscle memory or brain memory. Glad to know I still have that. Uh, but it is. Uh, <laughs> we are in North Carolina, and I am glad about that because it is a lot. Uh, warmer here than it is up there. They're talking about wind chill temperatures in the uh, in below zero uh, tomorrow. So you guys can have it. I don't miss it. But anyway, we have our studio. Uh, you, I mean, you can't see it, but we we're close to being uh, set up here. We finally got uh, the desk set up. We've got the you know uh, we're we're hope to have it completely ready by the end of uh, the week. So, uh, but we're getting close, but right now is nothing behind me, just this big blank wall, but, uh, uh we'll get our banner up and, uh, uh, we'll get everything ready to go. And, uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be back to somewhat, whatever normal is, we'll be back to that, uh, hopefully by the end of the week, uh, lots to get to this morning, obviously, uh, with the NFL yesterday, but, uh, I'm going to start this morning actually with some non-sports news. And uh, my daughter, Emily, uh, said to me last night, we were text messaging, and she said, hey, don't forget to pay tribute to Bob Saget on your show in the morning. And I was like, why? <laughs> I said, did he die or something? And lo and behold, yes, yes, he did. Uh, Bob Saget passes away at the age of 65. And, you know, for my daughter, uh, you know, look, I mean, it's sad when anybody passes away and I get nervous when people pass away that are only four years older than I am. Um, but for my daughter, Emily, and, and probably my daughter, Hannah, as well, uh, they grew up when Full House was a thing. You know, that was like much watched TV in our house. And um, that's kind of where Bob Saget came to the attention of the majority of Americans. He had been doing comedy before then. Um, but, uh, geez, I mean, he had just done a stand-up show in Orlando a couple of hours before, and they found him in his hotel room unresponsive. So, uh, brutal, absolutely brutal. And, and I'll tell you what, one of the things I, uh, I'll never forget the first time I heard Bob Saget's stand-up, and this was after he had been doing Full House, and I heard his stand-up one time, and he was the anti-Danny Tanner. His stand-up comedy was downright raunchy. I mean, holy cow, the complete opposite of what you would have expected from uh, the dad on Full House, uh, which I guess was part of the, uh, the, the, the charm or, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, that he could do that. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's just sad. And, you know, the thing that, that struck me, uh, before we move on to sports, but the thing that struck me was when I was reading this stuff uh, last night about his passing – 
one of the things that was kind of universal, everybody said this about the guy, was that he was just genuinely one of the nicest people you would ever come in contact with. Uh, Richard Lewis uh, said yesterday on Twitter, he said, uh, in an often ruthless business, he was historically not just hilarious, but more importantly, one of the kindest human beings I have ever met in my career. I, you know, and, and th- that was universal. Universal. So uh, what a shame. What a shame. And again, you know, uh, 65 years old, that's way too soon. And, you know, I, I hope my clock isn't ticking uh, like his, but it just goes to show you folks, you just never know, right? You got to enjoy every day. You know, and I, and I have to remind myself of that as I get older on the days when uh, I'm not feeling my best or I'm feeling a little cranky. I got to remember I'm lucky to be here, you know, and, and we don't know how long we've got. So uh, just sad that Bob Saga passes away at the age of 65. Uh, before we get to the football news, this broke this morning. Uh, Novak Djokovic won a battle in the Australian courts to stay in Australia. It doesn't mean yet that he is cleared to play in the Australian Open, but he did win uh, the battle against the Australian government who wanted him out. Um, and uh, this all happened uh, about 5 o'clock in the morning East Coast time. So by the, I got up at about 5.30 this morning, and uh, right after that news broke that, uh, uh, that he had been... Uh, his visa had been reinstated. Uh, look, um, when you when you drill into this, one of the things that the Australian medical authorities have done, they ruled that uh, temporary exemptions to the vaccination rule, which is basically if you haven't been vaccinated, you can't come into the country. But the health authorities there basically said, look, if you've had COVID within the last six months, you can get a temporary exemption because you've already got the antibodies, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and the judge said, look, uh, the Djokovic had provided proof of that that had been given to him by the two medical panels and uh, Tennis Australia. He provided proof that he had had COVID and, and that according to Australian medical authorities, he should have been given the exemption. But, the government under Prime Minister Scott Morrison, a very conservative government, a guy who is up for re-election, um, and uh, decided to play hardball. But the judge uh, has said, no, you got to keep him here. Now, you know, what happens from here and whether he'll still be able to play in the Australian Open remains to be seen. What is interesting is that uh, one of the lawyers for the government said that they are considering um, a not not an appeal. It's something called uh, oh I can't it's it's you know I can't remember what it's called, but said it was basically if he if they win this appeal, um, that he could be banned not just from Australia for the this tournament. He could be banned for three years. It's called uh, the uh, uh, a personal exercise of cancellation power, and if and if that happens, and if he's removed, essentially meaning he's deported, that he can't come back to Australia for three years, at all for anything. So well, it remains to be seen. But Djokovic, for right now, still in Australia. 
the Australian Open doesn't begin for another oh, about another week. So uh, we'll see what happens. But it looks like he's going to be able to play. Of course, look, this is the guy that's won the Australian Open nine times. And people are saying it's a political thing, trying to keep him out. I, you know, uh, maybe, you know, th- look, this whole COVID thing, we all know it's just a, it, it's just a political hot potato. Every country's handling things differently. Uh, everybody's got different rules. And everybody doesn't follow the same protocols. So for anybody participating in any sport, and then you got to travel internationally, look what's going on with just a simple thing like choosing the U.S. Olympic team where, you know, the, the best skater on the women's side, 16 years old, test positive for COVID. She can't compete in the, uh, in the championships, so she's left off the Olympic team. She had to get a special exemption and a waiver to get onto the team. You know, it's just – but that's – that's what we've got, and you know we see it every day in the NBA, in the NHL, in the NFL. We don't know who the hell is going to be playing uh, because this thing is it, – talk about a moving target. So, anyway, that's where we're at as far as that goes. And uh, uh, But Djokovic, at least for right now, still on track to play in the Australian Open because in the state of Victoria, in Australia uh, – he supposedly is good to go. The Australian Open uh, people, the Tennis Australia, have said you're good to go. So unless the Australian government steps in and does something else, uh, he should be playing in this tournament that begins next week. All right, uh, football yesterday. A lot of, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, one of the things that was kind of cool about this is that the drama about who was going to be in the playoffs Lasted all day and all night. It went right to the end of the Sunday night game. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers were on pins and needles not knowing whether they were going to get into the playoffs or not. Steelers with a, a nice victory over Baltimore yesterday. You know, look, it's an, it's an undermanned Baltimore team. I get all that. Uh, but, look, they come up with the win and, you know, 16-13 in overtime. And yet, and you know, it didn't look like they were going to have a chance to get in because in order for them to get in, Indianapolis would have to lose to Jacksonville. And by some miracle, that happened. Unbelievable. I'm talking about a collapse. You know, it was funny. You know, we were talking about what a great thing that Frank Reich had done there in Indianapolis and Jonathan Taylor, the great year that he had. But that, that Indianapolis team just collapsed. So that that's the first thing that had to happen. And then the only other thing that needed to happen for the Steelers to get in after that win was for the Raiders and the Chargers not to tie. And, you know, there was some conspiracy stuff about, well, maybe they would play for a tie because if they played for a tie, both those teams would get into the playoffs and the Steelers would be left out. And, you know, I was like, yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. And, and, you know, the Charger coaches were like, come on, that's a joke. You know, you mean we're not going to play like that. Uh, When Dan Zampano was on on Friday, you know, (laughs) it was it's laughable. But here we go. So what happens? Justin Herbert with a touchdown pass with no time left on the clock last night in regulation. Mike Williams, a 12-yard touchdown reception. The game is tied at 29 apiece, and we got to go to overtime. So all of a sudden, Pittsburgh's like, yeah, well, the chances of the tie happening, slim and none, slim left town, all that stuff. Well, here we go. We're tied. So the Raiders get the ball first in the overtime. They go 53 yards, seven plays, 
they settle, have to settle for a Daniel Carlson 40-yard field goal. So they're up 32-29. Now, because of the overtime rule, since they didn't score a touchdown first, the Chargers get the ball back, right? So they get it back, and the Chargers run off eight plays, 52 yards, and they settle for a 41-yard field goal by Dustin Hopkins, and we're tied at 32. So now, all of a sudden, this this thing that isn't likely to happen, you're going, well, holy crap, you know, maybe it is going to happen. So the Raiders get the ball back, and they keep the ball for four minutes and 30 seconds. And on the last play of the game, literally the last play, because time expired during the field goal, Carlson drills a 47-yard field goal, and the Raiders beat the Chargers. They get into the playoffs. The Chargers go home yet again, and the Pittsburgh Steelers find out that they are in the playoffs. The Raiders finish the season with a four-game winning streak, uh, Derek Carr was good. Wasn't great, but he was good enough. A couple of touchdown passes, but he wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't his best game. But Josh Jacobs, 132 yards on 26 carries. And, and he wasn't right. You could tell he was hurt, and he's still out there working it because, well, you know, look, I got the rest of the, uh, the rest of the offseason to rest. But, man. What a job yesterday. What a game. And Justin Herbert for the Chargers, second straight year, they don't make the playoffs. Threw for 383 yards. Justin Herbert threw the ball 64 times. 64 times. Unbelievable. Only completed 34 of them, though. And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, the Raiders get it done. But we almost had that tie that we didn't think we were going to have. And uh, now the Raiders get to play the Cincinnati Bengals in the first round of the playoffs. They have to go on the road to play at Cincinnati. That's going to be a fascinating game. I am really curious to see what the Bengals do. And, you know, the Bengals didn't play anybody yesterday. They played uh, the B team. You know, Joe Burrow took the day off. Uh, Jamar Chase played like, uh, you know, a couple of series. Uh, Joe Mixon took the day off. So uh, this is going to be an interesting game with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Bengals could be a scary team. Joe Burrow playing very, very well. He's got a week off. You know, they could be, you know, they could be the dark horse in the NFL's playoffs or, or the AFC playoffs. So as I said, so the Steelers get in. And look, the Steelers are going to get hammered. In the playoffs. It's good for them that they got in. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, one last uh, hurrah. And Roethlisberger was pretty good yesterday, folks. Uh, 30 for 44, 244 yards. He did throw a pick, but he was pretty good. You know, they had trouble finishing drives off, which has been a problem for them. Chris Boswell has been their most valuable player these last uh, three weeks of the season. But, uh, you know, look, this is a team that is with their defense and what T.J. Watt has done. And T.J. Watt yesterday uh, gets another sack and he breaks uh, Michael Strahan's record that has been in place for 20 years 
you know, you needed the extra game to do it, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, we can only play with, you know, the rules that we've got now, just like, you know, uh, guys that, you know, in baseball, when you used to play 154 games, now you play 162. It's just, it is what it is, right? But uh, with that defense, uh, look, they've got an opportunity. I think they're going to get hammered. I think, you know, I think uh, I saw that Kansas City is an early 13-point favorite in that game. I think that might be a little bit too high simply because that Steeler defense is pretty good. And, look, the the Chiefs are good. All right, let, let's, you know, let's – it is what it is. Let's call it, you know, they struggled a little bit early. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has been inconsistent, I guess you could say. You know, they struggled to beat Denver with Drew Locke at quarterback on Saturday. I mean, if you have a concern as a Kansas City fan, you're concerned about that defense. You know, and but Patrick Mahomes threw for 270 yards in the game on Saturday. No picks, and that's been the key for him. Is he's been he's thrown a lot more interceptions this year than than we're used to, and you know, but he is capable of doing some pretty remarkable things with that arm. Guys that uh, would not throw passes that he attempts, and not only does he throw them, he completes them, and he also is dangerous with his legs. He ran for over fifty yards in the game on Saturday, uh, so they can score points. The question is, can they stop anybody? Look. You know, when you've got Drew Locke and Melvin Gordon and, and you know, and Denver is able to move the ball up and down the field against Kansas City the way that they did. Look, Kansas City won this game. Look, their offense ran up 28 first downs. Denver only had 18. But at the end of the day, Denver still had over 350 yards of offense. And it took a great play a great defensive play by Kansas City to even win that game. It was a uh, Melvin Gordon got stripped of the football, and it was a a long fumble recovery and and a run, I think, 50-something yards for a touchdown by Nick Bolton. That was the difference in the game. Denver was driving. You know, they had a 21-20 lead at the time, and they were driving. And Melvin Gordon gets gets uh, gets stripped, and it was 86 yards. I'm sorry, I thought it was 54. It's 86-yard return. <laughs> if you're watching it, too, a Bolton almost fell down around midfield. So it was Kansas City's defense that won the game. But, look, uh, you can make the case that if that – fumble doesn't happen that Denver scores again and then you know who knows so I don't think Pittsburgh's got enough offensively that's the thing but if Drew Locke you know can keep Denver in the game you would have to think that a guy as seasoned as Ben Roethlisberger will be able to do that if they allow Najee Harris to carry the ball, and that's been part of the, the the conundrum that you know with the Steelers is that they've got a great weapon in Najee Harris, and they don't always use him as much as they should. And now he got banged up a little bit in the game uh, against Baltimore, 
had an elbow injury. He did come back, but he only carried the ball 11 times. And I, I, I don't, you know, I don't understand it. Look, I know they got behind in this game. They were down 10-3, you know, midway through the third quarter. Matter of fact, they were trailing uh, 10-6 going into the fourth. But it wasn't like you were behind a ton and you had to abandon the run. It's just, you know, for whatever reason, uh, and I, I, I don't think it's because Ben Roethlisberger's retired and they want him to just throw the football more, but they've got to put the ball in Najee Harris's hands, and I think that's the only chance they have to beat Kansas City. But, hey, they got in. Good for them. Good for Ben. One last chance. And maybe, you know, and, and uh, perhaps the other surprise, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but the way that they played and, you know, when I watched what the Patriots did to them and the fact that they lost – uh, you know, their top running back. And, you know, I didn't think that Houston had a chance. I really didn't. I mean, I knew they were good enough to make the playoffs. But I did not expect them to be able to be the number one seed in the AFC. And now they get to go into the playoffs, and Derrick Henry is probably going to be back for that game. They activated him off of IR. You know, there was really never a chance he was going to uh, 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 to play in that game on Sunday. But they're going to have a guy that has pinned out most of the season is going to be rushed. You know, going to be rested. You could say that well, he's going to be rusty as well. But what a great weapon to have back! That's going to make them very dangerous. And not only not only do they have him back. You know, the other members of that Texas team, or, or Texas team, the Tennessee team, now have the extra week on the bye to rest. And they get to have home field throughout the playoffs if they continue to win. So they will wait and see what happens. And uh, they're going to be dangerous. And you know what? Uh, Mike Vrabel probably cemented his... Uh, uh, his win as coach of the year with that victory yesterday and that number one seed. It wasn't easy. They beat uh, Houston 28-25. to um, Danny Amendola with a huge game for the Houston Texans. Davis Mills, you know, look, I, I think if there was any question about Houston and Deshaun Watson, the fact they didn't trade him during this, this, off, uh, this trading deadline, so a lot of people are thinking, well, since they didn't trade him, they couldn't get enough for him. Maybe they're going to try to bring him back. You know, all the furor over uh, the trouble that he got himself in there has kind of died down a little bit. So maybe, you know, maybe they're going to try to keep Deshaun Watson. If there was any thoughts about that, the way that Davis Mills has played down the stretch here, I think has taken care of any of that talk. Davis Mills yesterday against Tennessee, 23 of 33, over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The QB rating of 128. So uh, I don't think that uh, that Houston has to look any farther than Davis Mills to be their quarterback, the way he's played down the stretch. And I think Deshaun Watson now, his value will be less because it'll be the offseason and people aren't going to be as desperate. But Deshaun Watson will be playing elsewhere because Davis Mills, I think, is now the the uh, the guy in Houston, unless, at least until he proves that he can't be. But really great yesterday. But the story yesterday for me of this Tennessee game was Ryan Tannehill. 
Ryan Tannehill's a guy where a lot of times you're saying, please, God, just don't lose the game. You want Ryan Tannehill to control the game, right? Uh, you know, make the, a couple of passes when we need you to. Just don't do anything <laughs> to screw it up. Well, yesterday he was great. No other way to put it. Threw for 287 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, and, and look, uh, big one, you know, late. A touchdown to Julio Jones with uh, seven minutes left. Midway through the fourth quarter, gave him a 10-point lead, uh, and they needed every point of it. Because Danny Amendola with another touchdown reception with about four minutes to play, put Tennessee within three, but they just ran out of time. But Ryan Tannehill made some big plays when he needed to make them. So the uh, the Tennessee Titans, now the number one seed in the AFC. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about the New England Patriots. And the New England Patriots, who was the darling all of a sudden, you know, with that rookie quarterback, and everybody's like, ooh, there could be a Super Bowl contender. Ooh, they are going to be really, really good. The Patriots laid an egg yesterday. And if you are a Patriot fan, you need to be very concerned that this Patriot team uh, not only uh, are lucky to be in the playoffs, uh, they're going to be out of the playoffs very quickly. From what I saw yesterday, very, very disappointing performance. And, and not just by the Patriot players. I thought it was a disappointing performance by Bill Belichick. I think Bill Belichick made some very strange calls in this game. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. Uh, I just got some shocking news. Uh, Dan Zampano uh, just uh, contacted me and said that the Miami Dolphins fired Brian Flores this morning. Makes absolutely no sense. And we've got Dan Zampano on the phone. When you finished recording. Well, no, we don't have him on the phone. I'm trying to get him. Uh, Dan Zapano is going to jump on with us here. This is absolutely shocking news. I mean, I don't, I do not understand uh, how they could have decided to do this. Uh, but we have uh, Dan Zapano on the phone, Mr. Zapano. Please explain to me how the Dolphins can make this decision. Yeah, I am stunned. I am stunned this morning. I, you know, just waking up, hearing the news and, uh, you know, seeing uh, a couple of the coaches, but the dolphins, uh, just literally came coming across, uh, from Adam Schefter that that happened. You know, I think that they, this might be a complete overhaul. I, I think the dolphins are, are done, uh, with, with the situation that they're in. I would imagine Brian Flores gets another job, but I think the dolphins quickly. Are, are, yeah, quickly. Uh, I think the Dolphins are cert- certainly um, certainly trying to overhaul. I don't think this is the end. I think Tua could also be on the move. I really do. If this if this is the way they're going to uh, be, and the way they're good, the direction that they're going to go, and I think it's a complete overhaul. Don't be surprised if you see the Dolphins get rid of their quarterback as well, because th- th- this is a stunner. Brian Flores is a great coach, and and he'll be scooped up quickly. I mean, two two winning seasons in a row. What else can you ask for the guy? I mean, it's not his fault that you're in a division uh, with the Buffalo Bills the way they're playing right now, and, and you know, the, the Patriots are resurging, but you beat the Patriots who are going to the playoffs twice. It, again, I just I, I hear you where it might be an overhaul, but 
Is this simply because Brian Flores hitched his wagon to Tua and, and didn't make a change? Well, I mean, if you look at the results of which the other quarterbacks that they could have had, uh, I think that there's probably a possibility that Stephen Ross says, you know what, uh, that this is this is not the direction we want to go, and I think it's a completely rash decision. So I I think that Flores is a great coach is sitting there, and and they were on the up and up. All they really needed to do, and I don't think that it was out of the realm possibility that. Uh, Tua goes even if Flores hadn't gone. Right. So I think that there's, I think that there's definitely a, a sense there. But I, man, I, I, it's just so stunning. And, uh, you know, Stephen Ross is, you know, kind of one of these guys that just completely kind of makes some some of these decisions very quickly. And Dolphins fans have paid for it in the past. I think they're going to pay for it again. I don't understand the move at all. Well, and the fact, you know, you think about the fact that the Broncos fired Vic Fangio. Uh, they've already interviewed a couple of guys for that job, uh, including uh, Byron Leftwich. You wonder if the first thing they're going to do before they make a decision is make a phone call to Brian Flores. He's got to go to the top of the list for most teams looking for a coach, I would think. No? If I was if I was Chicago, if I was Denver, uh, Minnesota will probably come calling to get a new, young, fresh head coach. I think Brian Flores will get uh, – uh, I will be stunned if Brian Flores is not a head coach somewhere else. Uh, it's just it, – it doesn't make any sense. I mean, no. uh, they were on the up and up so well, and they had this, this young core, and they had a young coach with a young GM. I, I It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, uh, we weren't planning on having you on this morning, but I appreciate you jumping out for a minute. But be- before I let you go, I just have to get your thoughts on that Patriot game yesterday. Uh, look, uh, I, th- I think the thing that, that stunned me yesterday was uh, uh, Bill Belichick seemed to I, – I, he didn't seem to be coaching that game to win. I mean, the, the decision that he made at halftime, for instance, or just before halftime, you know, when you've got that fourth and short – you know, on the Dolphins' side of the 50-yard line, why aren't you going for it there? Yeah, uh, that was so frustrating. And then we get the false start penalties. Yeah. Oh, man, I mean, that's that was brutal. I just think this was a debacle. They just came out once again, the Patriots, just completely come out of the game flat. And this game was lost right in the beginning of the game. Yeah. I mean, uh, right there. I mean, they went, two went right down the field on the Patriots. And then a pick six, it, it was just so much to overcome. And the Patriots, once again, three out of four weeks going out flat. And, and you know, I think it, there needs to be a reset button on the season for next week. Uh, we got the bills, so uh, we yeah, well, got, I think that's what you wanted. Yeah, I mean that's what I wanted. So I mean, <laughs> I, but but the way we're playing, the way they're playing right now, I mean, it's just I, I don't see right now how they're really going to compete unless they can find a way to reset themselves and and figure out that the playoffs is a new season. But that was a complete disaster. What happened yesterday, and you know, I think the one thing too is that the Patriots have always, always, always competed this season. They've never right. got blown out by anybody. So you know, there's a difference between competing and and finding a way to win. And I think the last few weeks they've been exposed by some teams that have been just a little bit better than them. So you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. But you're right. I, I I just thought that was a complete debacle. Penalties. They kind of lost their mind in the second half with those penalties <laughs> yes. that kept getting called. It was, it was, it was unpatriot like. So, you know, we'll see if Bill can and whether the storm and and push the reset button here. But I I, I have my doubts. Well, you know, but it, the, the the last thing before I let you go because I, I I know you just got up, but uh, you know, I guess the the one thing I will look at and look. 
the Bills beat the Jets yesterday. It wasn't easy. But you know what? Josh Allen wasn't great in that game yesterday either. So I guess if you're a Patriot fan, and maybe this is part of the reason you know why you felt the way you did about playing Buffalo again, Josh Allen is not a guy that's necessarily uh, an automatic you know, this year he has taken a step back, which you thought he was going to do. So I guess if you're the Patriots, you have to hope that you get the erotic, the erratic, not the erotic, the erratic Josh, <laughs> the erratic Josh Allen, as opposed to the guy that we saw for a good part of last year. Well, Josh Allen's not the one I want erotic. Maybe the two. <laughs> I I I would say this. You know, the the key to the Patriots is, and Ben Bowen I think put this stat out, and it was a great stat. In the losses that the Patriots have had this year, uh, in all the games they've lost, they've only forced four turnovers. Ooh. And in all the and in all the wins that they've had, they've had 26 takeaways. Wow. Um, so, you know, they are a little bit reliant on the turnover. Um, so we'll see if they can do that to Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen made some very risky plays, and he's been very risky the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, even in the last Patriots game they played, you, you know, so... I'll be interested, but I mean, I, I, my fear is that the Patriots youth and the Patriots, um, new guys that are on the team are starting to get tired and are really starting to kind of, you know, lose the energy that they've had on that seven game win streak. And it's a fear that they may have peaked a little too early. I hope not, but, but it, it, to me, that's what it looks like. Well, Dan, thanks for breaking some news to to us uh, this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you on Friday as we do every week. But uh, thanks for a few minutes this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gene. Have a great week. All right. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. Uh, yeah, just shocking news. I mean, I, I, I can't even begin uh, to fathom, you know, what Miami is thinking. Uh, you know, look, uh, say what you want about Tua, all right? And is he great? No. You know what he is? He's 3-0 and against the Patriots. That's what he is. You know, and uh, what's your, you know, I, I don't know, you know, and you look at it too, if, you know, they're thinking about drafting a quarterback in the upcoming draft, I don't know, you know, is there a difference maker out there where they're going to draft? You know, I mean, they had a winning record. They're not going to be drafting, you know, uh, you know, number one or number two. We already know that. So, you know, what kind of difference maker is there out there offensively uh, or a quarterback that's going to make a difference uh, other than 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 Tua. I'm not saying Tua is the answer, but uh, I know Brian Flores was probably the answer at head coach, and I, I think this I think the Dolphins may come to regret this. Uh, you know, but then again, you know, again, uh, Byron Leftwich, a guy that's uh, a coach in waiting, gets a a lot of uh, a lot of love. Eric Bieniemy, a guy who got interviewed for a bunch of jobs last year who in, in Kansas City. You know, that's another guy that you know uh, probably should be a head coach somewhere. So I think you know there are some other good names out there. But boy, you had a guy that that in a very good division. You know, I, the Jets aside. You know, in a very good division with a good Bills team and a, a, a rebuilt. You know, a rebuilt Patriots team. You know, they held their own. And so I just think that uh, I think it's a mistake. Uh, but I think, you know, Dan made a good point there. I think uh, uh, that perhaps the Patriot youth caught up to them, uh, especially, you know, and maybe a guy even like Mac Jones. You know, uh, you know, when you come out of college, you know, you're not used to playing this many games you know you go to college and you know even when if you go to the national championship game you're playing what 14 games 
15 games. Now this year they've played 17 regular season games and a couple of preseason games. I mean, that is a, a much heavier workload than a lot of these young players are used to. So, uh, you know, maybe it caught up to them. And, or maybe it was a, a, a simple thing like just the momentum went the other way. They used up too much of that adrenaline and too much of that uh, uh, the luck, if you want to call it, during that long winning streak that they have. And, you know, maybe, maybe the question is, are they as bad as they look now? Probably not. Were they as good as they looked when they won seven in a row? Probably not. So what are they? Well, we're going to find out very quickly this week because uh, uh, they built they beat the Bills in Buffalo in that that wild uh, windy day. But when Buffalo came back to New England, they absolutely spanked the Patriots, and that's what that's what I'm going to be curious to see is how they bounce back after getting drilled by Buffalo in New England. You know, they well, let's find out how they are able to answer that one. And it sounds like, uh, you know, say what you want about Mac Jones and what that offense has done. It sounds like it's going to be up to the defense to cause some turnovers if uh, if uh, that stat by Ben Volan, uh, you know, carries any weight, which it should. Only four turnovers in those losses. Then, uh, then the Patriot defense needs to find a way uh, to get some takeaways uh, coming up next Saturday night against the Buffalo Bills. It's 45 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at what happened in the NFC yesterday. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Just a little bit of time uh, left here this morning. i got some workmen heading over to my house today. we got to uh, redo our driveway. One of the joys of living in the middle of nowhere. We have a dirt driveway and gets a little muddy, so we're uh, we're getting that work done today. So I got the workmen showing up here in a little bit. So, uh, but let's get to a couple more things uh, in the NFL from yesterday. We already knew the uh, Green Bay Packers are the best team in the NFC. Um, they lost yesterday to the Detroit Lions, <laughs> but I wouldn't read a lot into that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers plays just the first half, and uh, he was just fine. Thank you very much. Throws a couple of touchdown passes, and then takes a seat for the rest of the game, and the Detroit Lions ended up beating the, the Packers uh, in a game that means absolutely nothing. Um, you know, and interesting, too, you know, the two worst teams in the NFL, Jacksonville and Detroit, both win yesterday. Jacksonville will have the number one pick uh, in the NFL draft yet again. The Detroit Lions will have the number two pick. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with both of those. Uh, you know, Joey Lawrence... Uh, you know, look, they got to get they got to get him some help. You know, there's no question if you're Jacksonville, the first thing they got to do is get themselves a coach that isn't a moron, you know, and doesn't turn everything into a three ring circus. I, you know, that the the shame of it is, and you know, you wonder, did I call him Joey? Did I call him Joey Lawrence? Did I really? <laughs> nice job. Anyway, uh, they've got to get their quarterback some help because you know you wonder. If Urban Meyer wasn't the coach at Jacksonville to start the season, if it would have gone as badly as it did. Look, it's not that Jacksonville it was loaded with talent, all right? But when you've got all those off-field distractions and the the circus that has that surrounded Jacksonville all season with the media because of their head coach, it's a huge distraction, and you have to wonder if that didn't make a difference 
with how that team performed this year. You know, you know, they wouldn't have been a 500 team, but maybe they end up with a few more wins or a couple more wins. Um, you know, maybe as it turns out, it's better that they didn't. They end up with a number one pick again. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you have to wonder if uh, if it wasn't just the uh, the pick of the head coach that doomed that team before they ever started. Uh, so anyway, so the Packers, the number one seed, the Tampa Bay Bucks wrapped up the number two seed yesterday as they blow out the Carolina Panthers, forty-one to seventeen. Tom Terrific was uh, terrific once again. I shouldn't call him that because Tom Terrific is Tom Seaver. But Tom Brady, uh, 326 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks, only got sacked once. Uh, another, just another stellar season. This guy just continues uh, uh, to amaze. At 44 years old, a career best 5,300 yards passing. 43 touchdown passes. Sets a Bucks record that uh, broke Jameis Winston's record. The guy is 44 years old. And I know it was the Carolina Panthers yesterday, but good Lord. I'm telling you, just he's unreal. Rob Gronkowski, uh, a big game yesterday. Seven catches for 137 yards. Earned himself uh, a nice payday. Uh, picked up some bonus money yesterday. Uh, so an easy one. <laughs> it was so funny watching this because they were watching, obviously, the score of the Rams uh, 49ers game because it was going to depend on seating. And Brady wanted no part of coming out of this game. They try. It looked like a couple of times in the fourth quarter they tried to get him out of the game, and he's basically like, you're not taking me out. <laughs> and he stayed in the game right until about the last five minutes. And, you know, hey. And I'll tell you, here's an, you know the other – Underrated thing. You know, Fournette gets hurt, so they've got to go out. And, uh, well, that's a good question. You know, good good point, Dan Zampano just made a text message. Uh, Stephen Ross from Miami uh, went to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, the coach at Michigan, has been rumored to be looking at the NFL again. But here's the thing, you know, and so maybe Harbaugh heads to Miami, but here's the thing. Um, you're inviting another circus, I think, with Jim Harbaugh. It's not that Harbaugh is not a good coach per se, but he brings baggage with him. A guy that was in the NFL, goes back to college, couldn't really get it done in college, uh, finally has a breakout th- year this year. They beat Ohio State. They get into the national championship picture, uh, and then they get blown out. You know, uh, so I, you know, I, I don't know if that. I, I, I'll tell you what. I just to me, the the more logical thing for for Miami to do if they want to if they want to keep some kind of uh, normalcy there, you know, because you don't want to you don't want to turn Miami into the the three ring circus that Jacksonville had, you know. Maybe the best thing for them for stability would be to go out and hire a guy like Byron Leftwich. Or a guy like Eric Bieniemy, you know, uh, you know, I. It, but, but then again, maybe they want to make the splash. You know, if you got a guy in Brian Flores uh, who had two straight winning seasons and and showed that uh, he had that team going in the right direction, even with a guy at, like Tua at quarterback who is not uh, somebody to write home about necessarily, you have to wonder, you know, what the hell they're going to be happy with. 
You know, I mean, and and is 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 Jim Harbaugh going to be the difference between them? You know, uh, I don't know, I don't know. So, but a good point Dan makes. So we'll ha- we'll have to watch that. Anyway, to get back to the Bucks real quick, you know, after Fournette gets hurt, you know, one of the things that uh, Tampa did was they went out and uh, signed a guy like Le'Veon Bell, and. Le'Veon Bell didn't get a lot of, you know, he's just getting back into shape. This is a guy that wasn't playing a lot. He only had three carries yesterday. But this is a guy, Le'Veon Bell could be a difference maker. They need a guy that's going to be able to get them some yards on the ground. Fournette was so big for them because he was able to, every time they they needed a first down, they could hand the ball to Le'Veon Bell, and or not Le'Veon Bell, to, uh, to Leonard Fournette, and he would get them that first down. He was huge for them. Uh, Le'Veon Bell might be a guy that could be a difference maker for the Bucks. I mean, I know they've got Tom Brady, but, you, you know, teams are going to try to take that away. Of course, teams have been trying to take Tom Brady away for years. But one of the things that made the Bucks so dangerous was having Fournette back there, you know, as, as an option. So we'll see. But uh, I think Le'Veon Bell could be a guy that could be a difference maker uh, if they can get him more involved in this offense. Uh, the 49ers get into the playoffs. They beat the Rams yesterday 27-24 in overtime, and it was a great comeback. The Rams got up on them 17-0 midway through the second quarter. It looked like this was going to be an absolute ass-kicking. But then the 49ers score the next 17 and give the 49ers a lot of credit. After Cooper Cup catches that touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford with 229 left in the game, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo takes him five plays and 88 yards to tie it up with less than 30 seconds to go in this game. And then a, a great drive in the overtime, 12 plays, 69 yards. Robbie Gould takes care of it with a chip shot field goal and the 49ers win and get themselves into the playoffs. Good for them. Uh, and if you're the Rams, uh, look, you know, you have to be disappointed. This Rams team in, at the start of the season looked like the best team uh, maybe in the NFC along with the Green Bay Packers, and it, they stumbled their way to the finish line. Another team that stumbled its way to the finish line, the Arizona Cardinals. They lose again. They got off to that great start, but they finished 4-6 and six in their last 10 games and lost four of the last five. So two teams that have stumbled their way into the playoffs will now stumble their way into the playoffs against each other. That Cardinals-Rams game ought to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but, uh, if, again, if you're the Cardinals, you know, you you got to be disappointed with yesterday. What a great job by the Seattle Seahawks to finish out uh, their season. The Seattle Seahawks, a team that has been eliminated from the playoffs for a little while, uh, finishes strong. And now we wait to see whether Russell Wilson will be back with that team next year. But uh, we're going to see a a pretty fun game, I think, uh, next week between the Rams and uh, 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 the the Arizona Cardinals. Um, And uh, Dak Prescott, how about five touchdown passes in his uh, season finale? Uh, they crushed the Eagles. The Eagles didn't play anybody. Uh, the Eagles it, at this point, the Eagles were just like, yeah, we just gotta, we, we just gotta survive. So to be the Eagles against the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, but, uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, with a dominating win, Dak Prescott is playing, uh, great football right now. And, uh, they get to play at home next week. 
So, you know, again, I don't I, I think the Cowboys could be dangerous. You know, I mean, we certainly know that, uh, you know, they've got some great weapons in, in Zeke Elliott. CeeDee Lamb is a beast. Uh, and if Dak Prescott can continue to throw the ball as well as he has, they could be uh, a dangerous opponent uh, for the Green Bay Packers as we go along into the playoffs. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hey, it's Pat Benatar's 66th birthday today. One of the uh, uh, probably, you know, I guess we'd call her the first uh, uh, bad girl. She had that bad girl persona of uh, in rock and roll. But I'll tell you what she's got. She's got some great pipes. Saw her in concert uh, a few years ago, my wife and I. She's 66 years old today, and in honor of her birthday, here's a little Pat Benatar on our way out. Hit me with your best shot. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country 94.1.